Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I'm your host, along with Danny Hatch and Mark LaRocco. It's been a couple of weeks, guys. How you been? Really good. Uh, I think Mark has a lot of news. Yeah, yes, Mark I... probably has the most newsworthy announcement, life change stuff to present. No pressure. Yes, I have the best news, probably. Um, we For had sure. a baby. We had a baby girl last Sunday, so or two Yay. Sundays ago, so two weeks old. Her name's Audrey. Congratulations, Audrey, Audrey Hepburn. And, Seriously? Um, partly, yeah. We just we yeah. like the name, and uh, she's a great actress, a classy lady, humanitarian. Yeah. You know, it's funny that the name it kind of came down to two names that we were talking about um, in the hospital after she was born. And it was Audrey and Eliza. And then I pointed out to Holly, I was, I said, wait a minute, Eliza Doolittle is the name of Audrey Hepburn's character in that movie. Uh-huh. We don't like my fair lady. Oh, that you don't and like. We don't really know. We, we watched it. Um, it was on Netflix. We watched it about a year ago and, and man, it's very, it's surprisingly um, dated. If you <laughs> see, you'll know what I mean. It's my fair lady. Misogynistic. Oh, I was going to yeah. say, is that, well, is that the one with Mickey Rooney? No, no, no. You're thinking of Breakfast at Tiffany's, which also oh, has its okay. own problems. That, yeah, that one didn't age as well either. But like there are scenes where he is, uh, Henry Higgins is just like verbally abusing Eliza for like. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Not for not learning fast enough, but then also for making him fall in love with her. And he's like almost swearing at her and berating her. And it kind of goes on and on and on. It's not just like one line, like it goes on for a while. And so it's a little bit annoying, but. I mean, I think some of the songs are amazing. They're great. And it's really good production values. And I can see why it was kind of a hit movie at the time. But but anyway, yeah. we were talking and, and we just kind of leaned toward Audrey at the end and decided to go with that. And so that's her name. Nice. Nice. Yep. So so this actually ties into a question. Um, not really related to film, but I think we can I can think we could throw it in here. I was thinking about this just the other day, like because it does seem most of the time. that people's names match like their looks and mm. they're like, you know, like it, I, I don't have any trouble saying, Oh yeah, he looks like a Mark. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that was the first name that I would think of, but it, mm-hmm. it's a match. It's a fit. Right. Yeah. And so what I wonder is, you know, having not, having not had the parent experience, like what if you choose a name and then 10 years later, the kid just, I'm sorry. That's just not a Dwayne. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Totally. You know, because. I, you know, I, I think we do that. We think that, but it's because we know people, we, we associate someone's face with their name. And so that's why it fits in our minds. And so I think with our kids, if we had named a kid, another name, we would get used to it. And then that would be their name. And then we couldn't imagine them with any other name, you know? So like, for example, Graham, our, our, our fourth boy, it came down to Graham versus Ethan. Mm-hmm. And, and I was actually leaning a little bit toward Ethan, but then Holly did a little poll and asked like our family what they thought. And all the girls wanted Graham and the boys wanted Ethan, but m- many more girls weighed in the poll and we just went with Graham. And so I can't really imagine him now as an Ethan, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, right. Ethan Hunt, of course, Mission Impossible. And so <laughs> as I'm but I'm sure that if we had named him Ethan, I would say the same thing. I'd say, oh, I can't imagine him as Graham. I look at him and he looks like Ethan. 
you know. So it's 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 psychological, is what you're it's saying. It's a psychological thing. Yeah, it's like kind of a, so. So when Frank Zappa would look at his kids, he couldn't see them in any other than Moon Unit, Motorhead, and Dweezil. Weasel. Like yeah. that's, and I think there was one more. I can't remember the other one, but yeah, there was one yes. with kind of a normal name, wasn't there? Or were they Which all? Is, I know it's probably the one I'm forgetting, right? Yeah. Because it's normal, but. <laughs> Yeah, Moon so Unit. Thinking ahead. I think that Moon yeah. Unit goes by Moon. And considering a lot of celebrity names I've heard, Moon is relatively yeah. normal, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Might have gone Moon Unit. On that one. Yeah, if, if if he went, he or she, I don't even know, went by Moon Unit, that, that might be kind of odd. But yeah. Yes. Dweezil, Motorhead and Dweezil are not great names. We <laughs> we actually crossed those off our list early on. It's I'm oh, glad. Really? I'm glad. <laughs> You didn't yeah. keep them around as possible middle names, right? Because uh-huh. the middle name is that's where you can kind of throw the curveball and oh, for sure, yeah, you no, know, because you could have gone Audrey Eliza, Audrey Eliza. Both, right? Well, we actually went Audrey Evelyn. All of the middle names are actually grandmas and grandpas. So Holly's uh-huh. great grandma was Evelyn. Okay, so all the I kids' middle names name. are our great grandpas or grandmas, and we kind of gone that down that route. And this was our only girl, so we definitely wanted to get a girl you know, a grandma or a great grandma. And so, yeah, we like the name Evelyn. So that's what we went with for the middle name. Nice. Nice. So not the mighty Thor is, is uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no good transition, <laughs> by the way. But, you know, we, we're, we're, lead, we're leading off with a, an, an unexpected, but enjoyable tribute to Aubrey Hepburn. And yes. now, now we're on to the business of reviewing Thor Love and Thunder, right? So that's that's the big one that's uh, or the the biggest recent release. It came out just you know a little before we recorded this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, this was the one. I don't, as I think I probably made clear on previous episodes, I don't spend a lot of time tracking what's coming up on the release calendar. Um, but this was one of the few that I knew about, and probably one of the even fewer that I was excited to see. Um, Mark, you saw this one. What, it, did, what was your level of interest in this one? Because I know what Danny's level of interest was. It was zero. <laughs> it was zero, yeah. And I, remember, I already know the answer below. to that question. Right. And, right? and Doctor Strange 2 didn't help. I know that's what kind of sealed the deal for her with, right. with Marvel. Um, I had pretty high interest and high hopes because of um, really the, the third Thor movie, right? Uh, Thor, yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah, Ragnarok. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was just so fresh and so funny and irreverent. And I mean, Chris Hemsworth kind of unlocked his full comic potential. Yeah. I yeah. mean, even in, even in other movies he's in that are comedies, I don't, I mean, I just don't think I've ever seen him as funny as he was in. What you weren't Ragnarok. enjoying him in Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> Which to be fair, I do I did think not see that one. That one. I, I, I think, think I he was one of the, one of the highlights of that movie yeah for sure was he for sure yeah yeah was no he and, like and kind of a ditzy uh yeah. right well that was yeah. the joke it was yeah. it was yeah. kind of playing off the type and so you know mm. instead of having kind of a a bimbo character it was a, yeah, himbo a himbo character a mimbo yeah. right <laughs> a mimbo yeah no that was and he was he was good in that i think he's he's consistently i i'm trying to think i mean i think he's been in movies i haven't liked so much but he's for always sure. been an appealing you know, he's, he's kind of got that movie star appeal where he just, Mm -hmm. he, he adds more than he takes away. Um, But uh, yeah, no, in fact, one of my, I think my, my primary reaction from Ragnarok, which is five years ago now, right. Um, Was yeah. 
Cause it was, it was the tail. It was like November of 2017. So not, so about four and a half years pushing, pushing five years. Goodness. Yeah. Because it was before uh, infinity war before Endgame and all that stuff. And that was sure. 2018, 2019. So yeah. So these are, it's been a little while on these, but I just, I just remember watching it and I knew going in that Taika Waititi was the director and that he had done hunt for the wilder people. And he was just, just off the wall and had kind of this, really, really dry, fun, New Zealand style sense of humor that I think was kind of similar to what we saw in Flight of the Concords. But even with all of that preparation, I remember watching Ragnarok and just thinking, I can't believe that they're letting him get away with this because (laughs) I thought that it would just be a funnier version of a Thor movie, but he was just, it almost seemed like he was outright mocking superhero movies you know, and just whether you call it satire or, or whatever, but he was just going crazy. And so because I, you know, from, from where I was coming from in terms of being a fan of the movies, but not like a diehard comic book guy, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed just kind of yeah. taking the whole genre and flipping it on its head. And so, yeah. So Mark, I think that kind of like you, that going, going in, that was one of the things I anticipated about about love and thunder was that, okay, well, we're going to get it's, this is essentially the sequel to Ragnarok. It's I, I actually saw it more as the second YTD Thor movie more than I saw it as the fourth Thor movie. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. because it just seemed yeah. like the, the, you know, before totally and after different. yeah, Ragnarok just completely restarted the whole thing for me. But yeah. uh, so, so, so quick take them, Mark, what did you think? The, on the new one, I, I liked it. I mean, I think maybe because the expectations were fairly high from Ragnarok yeah. and it was just a lot of the same for me. It, it I maybe wasn't quite as good, but it still was very fun theater experience, enjoyable. Mm-hmm. There was a funny kind of a running gag the whole time that was probably as funny as anything in Ragnarok. <laughs> and it was the goats, the goats. I, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I didn't realize at the time until I read about it afterwards is actually tied into mythology. Like those characters. Oh. Yeah. So, well, maybe, maybe I should just do the brief setup. I mean, so yeah. clearly we're, we're talking about this is, this is the aftermath of Endgame. Uh, at the end of Endgame, uh, Thor teams up with the guardians of the galaxy. They take off on adventures and we kind of get the anticipated idea that Thor and Star-Lord are kind of ha- going to have this alpha, alpha male, you know, kind of conflict. Um, we don't actually see that, unfortunately, which is probably one of the things that's a letdown of the movie because we skip ahead a few years and Thor is back in shape and he is uh, really just kind of, you know, saving the Guardians whenever they find themselves in a tight spot because he's Thor and he can just kind of uh, come in and just wipe the floor with whatever potential interstellar bad guy they're dealing with. Um, but Love and Thunder kicks off when. Uh, by introducing this new bad guy, uh, Christian Bale's uh, Gore, uh, the God Butcher, uh, whose you know his title's fairly self-explanatory, and so so Thor has to take on Gore, not with the Guardians of the Galaxy, but he goes and he gets Valkyrie, he gets Korg, um, and they all team up to uh, take on the new bad guy, which is really pretty simple. I mean, there's there's a kind of a subplot about how Gore has kidnapped the Asgardian kids and. And they all have to go and get different weapons, which is something I'm going to talk more about in a second. Um, but effectively, the real kind of drama is is built around the idea that when Thor goes back to kind of recruit all of his old friends, 
he discovers that his old flame Jane has now turned into a superhero herself because she got a hold of his hammer and that hammer turned her into the mighty Thor. So like basically a, a female version of Thor. Um, so that's, you know, kind of the, and then being, being with Taika Waititi, it's kind of this silly, awkward, you know, almost rom-com type of type of chemistry style. And uh, so that, that, that I think is kind of one of the, I, I don't even know if I'd call it a, I guess it's technically a subplot, right? Because the main plot is them confronting Gore, the God butcher and all this kind of stuff. But uh, the Thor and Jane slash mighty Thor thing is a pretty, pretty strong component of this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, as is the uh, the soundtrack, which is full of Guns and Roses this time's around, this time That's around, right. and uh, yeah. you know, lots of lots of craziness, including a couple of uh, really really loud goats that uh, <laughs> they scream like humans. <laughs> yes, they do. And for yes, some reason, it's always funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it funny every time? It really is. I don't know if it'd be I, funny yeah. the second time I watch it, but it it. It was it was well, funny every time. Because, yeah, because because they they spread it out. I mean, basically the the goats are pulling some kind of interstellar boat ship thing, and so that's mm-hmm. why we see them pretty frequently. Is there? Oh, okay, they're, they're know, transportation they're, kind of right, yeah. right. And those and those clips are spaced out enough that at least for me, like you say, Mark, the first time the screams happened infrequently enough that there's still a surprise and it's yeah. this funny thing and you know who know, who knows if it'll you know four or five viewings Hold in up. if it'll still be carrying the same weight but who knows but uh Fair but enough. no i i kind of had the same reaction where it wasn't as good as ragnarok um i didn't i didn't like it as much uh i still i i liked a lot of individual components of love and thunder a lot more than I liked the total movie. That's, that's mm-hmm. kind of what stood out to me was that there were certain sequences. Um, one, especially that I, I kind of have to talk around it because I don't want to spoil it, but there's, there's a third act moment uh, that involves more than Thor and Gore um, that is, is kind of just a, a really fun uh, uh unexpected kind of twist in, in the final battle that, that I just is just is a really classic example of kind of how YTD can take something uh, that is dramatic and action heavy, but also make it kind of fun and silly and crazy at the same time. Um, Mark, I don't even know if you know what I'm referring to at this point, because I've talked about it so much. Yeah, Yeah. But, and so, so there were individual bits, but I also didn't feel like things gelled nearly as well as with Ragnarok, because even though there was a, comparatively serious you know story with ragnarok all of the silliness blended and wove in consistently whereas with love and thunder i felt like the the clash between the over-the-top humor and the seriousness especially of the gore character because i mean his whole motivation is that his daughter dies so this is a really serious thing it was just very jarring and so i felt like things just didn't mesh quite the same way. And especially that, that juxtaposition of the humor against the serious tone and moments didn't work nearly as well. And so altogether, I still, I mean, I still like love and thunder more than 90% of what I saw post end game. But I still wouldn't rate it 
at the same level as Ragnarok or a lot of the other best MCU stuff. You know, I agree with the tone part of it because there's, and the weird thing is for me, it's, I think it's a slightly different complaint. There's times where I think that we're seeing the, the awkward interaction, almost the rom-com awkwardness you get when a, a lover, you know, has been maybe jilted by another lover and then they reconnect yeah. through, you know, mm-hmm. weird circumstances. And they tried to milk that more than actually they got out of it for me. Like I mean, yeah. your mileage may vary, but for me, it was just kind of like, <laughs> we get the joke and we get that, you know, Thor has the, has the one that's been keeping track and Jane is not quite as, you know, love struck yeah. as Thor and, and, and Thor has maybe had a little bit of a harder time than he thought getting over, getting over her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they, they milk that a little more than I think it works for me. <laughs> And, and there's also this little awkwardness and maybe it's part of Jane's character changing too. And I, and the weird thing is, I think Natalie Portman is like a really, really great actress, mm-hmm. but Agreed. she's not, yeah. she's not as strong com- comically or comedically as oh, yeah. people in this movie. And it, it kind of showed, um, but it, I mean, I think she did what Taika, you know, tried to do what Taika asked her to do. And also her character is not quite as funny because there's some, a little bit of a tragic backstory in it that, yeah is truly tragic that, that she's dealing with. Um, but yeah, for that, it, it didn't work quite as well with me. Um, so the, a lot of the humor was not so much between them as just other things in the movie. The yeah. one thing though, I really liked about Gore. So for example, you have certain villains in Marvel movies that are just like, they're, they're out to just destroy all of civilization uh-huh. and take over the world. Right. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they have a lust for power that's just unmatched. And right. therefore, all the Avengers need to team up and try to beat that person, such as Thanos. And his motivation for becoming a god butcher, it actually is very relatable to everyone watching the movie. Oh, yeah. And, and also to somebody who just had a daughter, you know, two weeks ago. It's like oh, god, his right. daughter is killed. And um, he is finally kind of fed up with and this just right at the beginning i mean the movie I, i'll try not to spoil it but the movie actually starts with with gore oh it yeah start with thor mm-hmm. it's with gore um and and then there's even a simple you know a little bit of an ending involving him that's that i think is pretty key and so um yeah i liked this story and also christian bale just just killed it in terms of yeah. the acting right you know like a little bit of campy but not like you kind of wonder you know he he's probably had to hear for 14 years how you know uh heath ledger was the movie you know was the dark Knight, and really the whole trilogy in some ways and it's always said you know you hear about actors that would that would like to play villains because they're usually the most interesting characters Mm -hmm. and i mean i think gore is a quite interesting when i first read about this movie i actually thought it was just going to be like a boring angry guy in makeup that you kind of have to see every 20 or 30 minutes and he turned out to be a quite interesting um character that you sort of looked forward to seeing in the movie i mean there's some pretty genuinely chilling scary parts with him but well um, and i think that's what kind of undercuts the movie is because i mean i remember i remember watching his you know because i mean there's no big spoiler here because it's the beginning of the movie he's you know out in the desert and he's trying to keep his daughter alive and it's this really really serious thing Mm -hmm. and you're thinking wow this doesn't feel like you know ragnarok it doesn't feel like a type of itd thing and and so and because Christian Bale is such an intense, just, you know, no holds barred, you know, method actor type. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, again, like the, the juxtaposition of him really going after it versus, 
you know, the screaming goats, it just doesn't, it just doesn't mesh the way that the way that other similar movies and efforts have. And, and so that's why I say like, I like, cause I absolutely, I I loved it compared to most MCU villains, just like you say, there's some, there's some weight here. It's, it's not just some megalomaniacal, you know, I want power. It's Mm -hmm. I want revenge. Right. And that's, you know, some of the, the best movie villains I'm thinking of Khan, right? Like Khan was driven by revenge and that was (laughs) what, what propelled him in in a way that was more believable and relatable and, and compelling. And, and so, I don't know, I, I hate to say it, but because I noticed that with some of these movies, I have my initial reaction when I first walk out of the theater. And then as, as a few days go by, sometimes I find myself like wanting to go back more and more yeah, or getting less and less interested. And, and with love and thunder, I mean, I still liked it. I would still give it a overall positive review and because in spite of its weaknesses, I still enjoy it. Like you said, it's, it's still very entertaining. It's fun. It's, it's definitely kind of your, your popcorn chewing, you know, kind of crazy over the top movie, but the the weaknesses tend to float to the surface a little bit more as time goes on instead of the strengths. Yeah, that's probably true. I, I think I remember when you talked about Doctor Strange too, how you you found yourself caring less. I mean, you were you were not caring about it by the end of the movie. Yeah, oh yeah, that was. But then after itself, the right? movie was over, you just didn't didn't care. And so right. sometimes the, the mark of a great movie to me or mediocre to me is how much do I even think about the movie after I'm done watching it. Mm-hmm. Was it just two hours of escapism or is it something I just can't stop thinking about? You know, yeah, like, yeah. and I agree. I don't, I don't really think about love and thunder. It's not a, um, you know, it's not really a super great movie. It was a fun entertainment and not quite as good as Ragnarok. I mean, there really were some wonderful scenes in it. I, there was a scene where they, there's a lot of fighting going on between the main characters on sort of a black and white moon like mm-hmm. planet. Do you remember that? And yeah. And the color, the use of color where there's sort of those flashes of blue or yellow are really effective, really cool looking. Um, and, it, you know, a little bit of horror, I guess it looks like again. But, uh, you know, I, I mostly and then there's there's kind of a scene with a lot of gods um, and Zeus with a Oh, right. Uh, like uh, just an inexplicable accent, but it's also kind of funny. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, right, because yeah. and, and here this is this is one of the things I wanted to touch on too. Right? Oh, okay. Was that uh, you know one of the big themes and and kind of one of the comic subplots is that since and I don't even want to try to pronounce it because I know I'm going to screw it up and sound like an idiot. So Thor's hammer is now with Jane, and Stormbreaker the axe. Oh yeah, is with Thor, but Thor is kind of yearning and having For- like pangs of you know of whatever for his longing, own hammer longing for yeah, and so and yeah. so yeah so it's like this love triangle <laughs> and and everybody's got to have a weapon like even even gore has like the necro sword or something mm-hmm. and so they have to go to well first they go to zeus because they want to recruit his help because it's the god butcher so hey maybe Zeus would be interested yeah. in stopping this guy. Right. Right. And yeah. there's this crazy scene and Russell Crowe plays Zeus and there's all the people in the hall, but, but the main focus is, okay, we've got to get Zeus's thunderbolt or lightning bolt or whatever. And there's so much focus on weapons and I get it because, you know, they're fun, but I thought that one of the main points of Ragnarok was 
Thor doesn't need a weapon. Like mm. the whole lesson was Thor, you are not the God of hammers. You are the God of thunder. Right. And so even though they're cool, yeah, I get it. And maybe he had to come up with a special weapon to beat Thanos. Right. There's still kind yeah. of this. I, so does that not mean anything? Right. I mean, does Thor really you know, have to have the, no, that's the thing. Nothing means anything. <laughs> and uh, everything is being undermined. And everything it, I've heard about this. Run movie, with it, Danny. Let's hear it. Here comes the nihilist. Here <laughs> so we go. No, but like, everything I hear about it just makes me think this is so stupid. And like how, you know, these directors and writers are going back on their own works, yeah. which I just think is so absurd. Um, well, like, and you befo- know, before, sorry, Danny, sorry. I'm going to cut you off and then I want you to take off again. Please. Because I, I, I think it's important to note that when you say it doesn't mean anything, this is not coming from somebody who hates all Marvel movies and all yeah. MCU stuff. It was because you pointed out before that you really liked Ragnarok. No, it's and, that nothing means anything anymore. Yeah. Since like 2020, like with the TV Right. Show. Because I think, I think that if, if, if it was just somebody who is not into comic book movies or superhero movies, it'd be okay. Well, nothing's going to please you. <laughs> well, but it's I think, all pointless. It's but all I think you're in a position yeah. where you yeah. did really like this stuff and you have really yes. liked this stuff. And now, yeah. You know, so okay, so keep on, keep on going. <laughs> no, and, and I and I did enjoy Ragnarok um, at first. Since then, I've grown to like it a little less because I feel like it was kind of hinting at dark things to come hmm. with poor story writing and poor oh, characters. those kind of things to come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so like, um, and, and I don't know if you want to address this at all, Josh. We can totally cut this out. I thought there were some interesting comments on your review. If you wanted to. Oh, the comments on my review. For Ragnarok. Not like, Ragnarok, for Love and Thunder. Yeah, yeah. On Facebook. You mean the ones that disagreed with me or the ones that. Yeah, no, there, there were a lot that disagreed with you. Because it's just like. <laughs> well, they're all wrong. They're all Can wrong. I, that's my so rebuttal. Would you You're wrong. that three out of four stars still. I was so surprised to see that. That I gave it three out of four? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like I say, it's kind of one of those deals. So this is going to, uh, I am coming around to, to answer the question. Yeah, just in a sure. slightly roundabout way. You're just avoiding it. That's one of the things doing. I remember about Last Jedi uh-huh. was that there were two specific moments that I absolutely love that just felt like these are the kind of moments that make star Wars movies so much fun Mm -hmm. and, and such a, you know, and, and because of that, that really kind of drove me to kind of say, you know what, for all the other stuff, this is a fun movie. This is a worthwhile movie because there's this great scene. There's this great battle scene with the, with the red, the red guards, you know, and then, and then I just loved the, I'll just call it the Holdo maneuver because, you know, that way, it, you know what I'm talking about, but it doesn't spoil it for anybody who still hasn't seen Last Jedi. I just thought those moments were just fantastic. And I thought that they kind of carried the film. With Love and Thunder, this thing I'm talking about that kind of happens in the third act that involves a lot of people who are not demigods. Let's just put it that way. Um, like that... And then some of the humor, like there are, there are individual elements that I thought were really, really good. And whereas a few years ago where I felt like they were good enough to call Lost, call Last Jedi like a three and a half star movie. Now, 
you know, being a few years older and wiser and more jaded, I'm thinking, okay, well, I think I would still give it three out of four. I wouldn't go three and a half out of four. I think I'd go three out of four, but there are enough hesitations and reservations that I don't know that I'd go all the way down to two and a half because usually my two and a half is reserved for movies that I just, I really didn't like, but I didn't feel like I could just completely bash. And that wasn't love and thunder. There are definitely things I didn't like about love and thunder. Um, but it, it, you know, that's, that's where I landed on three, you know, okay. because I think, I think it's good enough to, you know, I mean, it's good enough to recommend because you're kind of in that position well, of recommending it. The, 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 the question that I was kind of asking myself towards the end of the movie was like Ragnarok, is this something that I'm going to buy for my own collection? And I'm not sure, you know, I still really, I mean, I love Taika Waititi. I just, he's just one of my favorite directors. I really love what he's done overall with Thor. And mm-hmm. so there's kind of an instinct to say, okay, yeah, no, I think this would be part of the collection, but this one, I don't know. It was, not quite good enough. And so, so that's why, like, I absolutely think that I will rewatch it at some point when it's on Disney plus. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go out and see it in the theater again. Um, but I, and it's, and so I can, I can really see the criticisms and the the compliments at the same time. And what's interesting is usually is the case is, you know, you kind of go through the rotten, rotten tomatoes reviews and whether they, they give it a, a negative or a positive review, they're still all saying the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. which is, it's just, it, and it's, that's, that's kind of where the subjectivity kicks in is that, okay, yeah. well, I thought that this and this and this was weak. Therefore I hated this movie or yeah, this and this and this was weak, but I still really enjoyed it. And it's, you know, and so yeah. I guess I still, I recognize and felt frustrated by a lot of the shortcomings, but still enjoyed it enough to lean slightly in the positive direction. Okay. Um, but well, then, that's, that's and then of course, everybody who disagrees with me is just wrong. Mm. You know, it's, no, I, just I strongly wrong. disagree, but you know, no, it's just like, no, my friend, I, I, I had, think, I had one friend who I think he posted like a 1000 word response on my, on my post and he had, yeah. and he had some really good points, you know, and, yeah. and you know, cause he, he felt like he felt like love and thunder was better than Ragnarok. And, and while I definitely recognize mm. uh, the shortcomings that he, he pointed out, I definitely disagree i think ragnarok was a lot better but it could um, it could just be that he's a huge guns and roses fan because even ragnarok i i think it had one led zeppelin song the immigrant song and yeah. there was at least but i counted at least so well. three guns and roses oh they were used perfectly the slow motion like jumping through the air and landing on the i mean they did it the same thing kind of in, in love right. and thunder but but, but okay, I Mark, you have so to understand thought, it takes though. it takes three guns and roses songs to be that's the math thing. <laughs> everything's balanced out no yeah. well my thought with that with like the music and the visuals then like how would this be any different than just like a narrative music video where it's like oh we got some flashy stuff we're enjoying like it's you know that sensory overload mm-hmm. but it's like you come to a movie to experience a story and especially with marvel movies and this is why I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this. Cause they're not even trying anymore. Yeah. And, well, and that's why I'm like, I'm not buying I, into this because when <laughs> it comes to a movie, when it comes to a movie, especially in a connected universe, you want it to be a continuous story that is yeah. actually like, it means something. That's why I'm saying. It doesn't mean anything because like, okay. And, and like 
every element they introduce kind of undermines Endgame. Like I've loved all the people who are poking holes where it's like, hey, if we have this thing, why didn't they have it in Endgame? Or like with Wanda's yeah. yes powers and <laughs> Doctor Strange, it's like, where was that when we needed that? You know, like it's just everything they're adding to it. They're not thinking about it. They're not building on what was already established, which we love. We yeah. love what was established. Why would you wreck that? Unless I'm wrong, like we didn't really have that issue prior to Endgame, right? I mean, I don't, I didn't find okay. myself asking. I mean, now, now granted, like when I watch yeah, Civil War. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you watch Civil yeah. War and you think, okay, well, this doesn't make any sense when all these guys are fighting each other because, like, two of them are, you know, Vision and Wanda are like these limitless power characters, and then you have Hawkeye. You know, it, poor Hawkeye, right? I really oh, poor guy. He, I, I love I love what they did with him in in uh, Saturday uh, Night Ultra, Live. No, in, what? No, in there's Ultron. a whole skit on that. What Is you're there? saying? There's a whole skit on in SNL about how they all all the Avengers have these powers, and they're like, "What do you do?" And he's like, "Yeah, I just shoot this arrow. I just shoot this bow and arrow. It's like that's all." And it's like, "Yep." And everyone else has these amazing, you know, actual yeah. superpowers, and he just he's really good at shooting a bow and arrow. You know, right. like they had Jason Sudeikis playing Hulk, and I mean, they did a whole SNL thing on that. Okay, and Jeremy so, Renner was in it. Jeremy so Renner glad. was not. I'm so glad you said that about SNL because like my favorite response to Love and Thunder has just been like Thor's character is basically the character he's played in like sketches and ads or something like that, like as a parody of himself, where this movie is just like a parody and they're sacrificing like actual emotional weight and good emotional beats. Like there's a lot of potential in these plot lines, but it just exists for the joke. Like everything's just a joke. See, I thought that I, I kind of was having that problem, too, because I'm like, is Taika Waititi just is his whole goal now just to try to be funny? And because he can't well, he's trying he to can capture what he, he can be funny naturally. Before. But, the, but where I would have to disagree with you is you, I know that you like narrative. You really seek story and you also want people to have less and like learn a lesson, have a redemptive So demanding. Arc. Right. No, that's <laughs> so fine. demanding that's what you need out of a movie. Like. <laughs> Oh, want I'm to have a sorry. I'm story so arc. traditionalist. No, this. no. What I'm saying is, you get that if you would watch this movie because I don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah. And it's it's unusual. There's an unexpected thing that happens that I I did not see coming at all, and it involves something happening that is I think a perfect perfect ending to happen to this particular character, and because. Thor, what he's doing, and he kind of starts out the movie. And the funny thing is, the movie is sort of told by his friend Korg, who is yeah, by Oh no, I know. Yeah. Like I, I know this movie from like beginning to end. I've seen like so many. You've seen enough of it. You know. Yeah, it. No, so you I'm... know the ending. Yes. Okay. No, no. Okay. I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like I know all I want to know because, like, I felt I was so nervous about this episode because I'm like, I want to trash this movie so hard, but I haven't seen it, so like, I don't have any credibility. <laughs> Well, I like I like the story. I like what what happens because it's yeah, it does to me have weight. It does have emotional weight, and I think it's earned. Um, but isn't it undermined uh, by like I, I don't know? Just, no, and that's that's what know. I'm saying. Is is that now? Well, sorry, Danny. I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but yeah. the the way that the humor doesn't match up against the more serious emotional weight that's yeah. much more jarring. And and yeah. I, I realize that this this might be a stretch as far as a comparison. But I did find myself thinking, okay, now is the problem that Taika Waititi just can't take, just can't handle serious material, but that's 
obviously which, which a no. Which he totally can. Because yeah. Jojo Rabbit is this amazing example of his quirky, dead, you know, deadpan humor matched against this amazing, emotional, moving, beautiful story. Mm-hmm. And and so I I almost I I don't know. I, I can't definitively point my finger and say this is what happened, but it does seem like in this movie, he's just more interested in taking the piss out of superhero movies and just kind of making fun of the, it all, cause it, it almost, like I said, it, it really feels sometimes like he's just trying to give all of us a breath of fresh air from the, the pomposity and grandeur of the superhero genre. And then Taika Waititi comes along and turns Thor, you know, the great demigod into a himbo. Right. Yeah. And, and so well, maybe it just them, took yeah. it too far or yeah. it's, some it was, them, it was a fun joke for one movie, but you know, I don't know. They just take him so seriously that like, there's gotta be a good balance, you know, because yeah. like, even like Thor, the dark world is just such a completely different tone than these last mm-hmm. two Thor movies. And like the, one of the thing that the DCU, uh, you, you know, has, has been criticized of is being too dark and heavy and serious and maybe oh, yeah. not having enough humor in theirs. Yeah. And maybe it's why I just loved Rag- Ragnarok so much. And I like Thor, you know, love and thunder. Um, I do think Taika does have the ability to do it. I mean, he, he it's so funny because his movies in some ways are like his interviews. If you've ever seen him interviewed, he can't stop cracking jokes. Like yeah. even when you, you feel like the interviewer wants a serious answer. Cause I, I watched him like, even when he won his Oscar, he won the Oscar for the screenplay uh, for the adaptive oh, right. screenplay oh, for true. Jojo rabbit. Yeah. And they always have these little press uh, you know, interviews at right immediately after and they're asking questions and he's, he just keeps cracking jokes, you know, like he, he's not just like some people when they win, they're, they're just very, they're talking about how grateful they are and everyone's so good. And it's such a wonderful night. And, and he, he gives interviews where he's being interviewed about like, you know, what we do in the shadows or whatever. And, and he almost just can't be serious yeah. for more than like 30 seconds. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just funny. And so, yeah, well, his I mean, but he like does that. show that he can. And like, exactly. you know, it's having those moments. And that's why I think Ragnarok was so strong is because like, um, what was her name? The sister Hella or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like she scared me, you know, and like, you, you know, because you have these moments where it's like, oh, snap, the hammer's like destroyed, you know, <laughs> but, you know, Thor's not going like oh, my baby. And then audience laughs, you know, we don't have a laugh track moment there because <laughs> it's like, cause I, I think Taika is good at like, Hey, pause. This is emotional. My favorite scene in Jojo rabbit is I think it's a, a single take where it's like you're following Jojo is near the end, but it's like, as mm-hmm. war is going on all around him. Um, and you're watching him react to these awful things. Yeah. No jokes, you know? And um, so I don't know. I, it just, it makes me really frustrated when it's like, oh, people liked the funny stuff, but, but the funny stuff was great because it had all these other elements too, yeah. to make it all balanced. Well, and it, and it, it just, it was more seamless. It didn't, it didn't yeah. with, with love and thunder. I feel like they were alternating between serious like moment, flipping a switch, joke, kinda. serious moment, joke back and forth with, okay. with Ragnarok, the seriousness was kind of muted and the, the, the humor was kind of amplified, but it all mm-hmm. just kind of, it all kind of flowed. 
right? Okay. Where I didn't feel like they were just kind of trading off. And, and that's, that's why I say like Love and Thunder just feels very, very uneven and, okay. and kind of clunky. And okay. that's, that's why I say like, I like, like my, parts. Yeah. Okay. It might've been my misinterpretation and like something that I heard, but there was like one particular scene where like something bad happened to someone and they're like, oh, and they start making jokes about this. I'm like, how dare they? Like, it made me yeah. so mad <laughs> that that was well, happening where it almost seemed like it was overlapping instead of like a switch, but like, maybe it was kind of like, this was that. And that was that. So, so here's I haven't question. seen it. I don't know. See, this jo- is a great way. It's not jo- just jo- like Rabbit. Sure. credibility. It's like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> my bad. So, so Jojo rabbit was the best movie of 2019. I think we all can agree on that. For sure. And mm-hmm. Ragnarok was a much better than average hilarious superhero movie. And now we have love and thunder. What's Taika Waititi going to do with star Wars? He is he um, doing a Star Wars movie? Yeah. Yes. He directed the last episode, the finale of The Mandalorian. He was the voice, and he does a lot of voice and actor work more oh, than people yeah. realize. Yeah. Which I love. Sure. It makes me happy. He's doing a Star Wars movie. He's still apparently working on the story. He's expanding the universe, and I think there are a lot of people out there that are like nervous, maybe um, excited. I don't know what the word is why, because it's so. Why would it might be not nervous? be bad. It might not be bad. I just heard the funniest thing about this. And this is the only exposure I have to this. I don't know if you guys saw the article or not, but like apparently Taika approached um, Nally Portman wanting her to come into this show without realizing she was already a very prominent character in the universe. So like that made me so nervous. And I think that (laughs) might be why people are kind of nervous. And this is like, that's the kind of thing that I've been feeling with all this. I'm like, no one cares about the existing stuff because it's just all so disrespectful. Like, Which is my big complaint about Kenobi, but that's another subject. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I might have a lot of feelings about uh, Love and Thunder. I have way more feelings about Kenobi, which I also haven't seen. <laughs> you gotta see some of this stuff. Not these. Uh-uh. Disney not is these. not getting my money <laughs> until they start making something good. It's going to be me alone that saves everything. Well, I mean, Kenobi. <laughs> did you, you're saying you did watch or you didn't watch Kenobi? Oh, no. Any oh, of them? No. Oh, so my. why, in, in as concise a way as possible, <laughs> sum up your feeling, your, your argument for boycotting Kenobi. Yeah. So when it comes to movies, I think movies are different. Um, than the TV show releases on Disney Plus. Because all I see with the releases on Disney Plus is we're trying to crank out as many things as possible. I don't know if you've seen the full lineup that they have for Marvel and for Star Wars for the next, it was only like two years, but it was like just massive catalog of new content. And it's like, I think they're just trying to keep up subscriber count because it's like, oh, you don't want to like cancel your subscription because we're going to have this new thing from this thing you like. And because everything's been coming out so fast, again, no thoughts coming into it. It's contradicting so much that has happened, ruining what's to come, you know? And it's just, and the quality is so bad, especially with TV shows, at least with like Thor, there's going to be a huge budget behind it because it's a theatrical release. Uh Whereas with Kenobi, like, you know, the lightsaber scenes aren't as cool. The chase scenes are kind of pathetic. You know, like there's just, it, it really lacks in quality. So, 
So, yeah. so your so one of your primary objections is yes. that it's a glut of content that yeah. is watered down in terms of quality and mm-hmm. not paying attention to canon and previous. It's it's well, because to me it sounds like a reflection of what what I object to as far as well, so much of our kind of media right now is just the idea yeah. that you just have to just put everything out there. There has to be a constant stream of new content. Yeah. And and yeah, because I, I have not seen the lists of what is to come with Marvel and Star Wars. I mean, I I was under the impression, apparently I was way off, that after Solo struggled and and Last Jedi was controversial and Rise of Skywalker was kind of disappointing. I kind of thought that Disney was gonna step away from the constant flow of new Star Wars content. Um, but the Mandalorian kicked off. Yeah, well, and maybe that maybe that's what reversed is because since Mandalorian was good, mm-hmm. they've kind of justified continuing with other stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they they had a very aggressive release schedule. Yeah, and I think what really happened was Han was solo didn't do very well and was like the worst uh, as far as the box office goes. Yeah. The worst well, they rushed, they rushed the release. They rushed the release. Right. It was and, like and six it, months after last Jedi. And yeah, well, they were just really? taking advantage mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. and, and the thing is I, I'm one of the few, I guess alive that liked solo. I didn't think it was horrible. You know, to be oh, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so fun. I watched solo for the first time last night and oh. it was like actually really good. Like I was surprised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's not. It's not a bad movie. I, I distinctly yeah. remember walking out of that movie thinking, "This is a it's middle fine. of the road Star Wars movie. This is right. this is not, you know, one of the ones that I think is bad. It's far from my favorite, but it's perfectly good. I wouldn't mind watching it again. You know, not necessarily in the theater, but like you know, just watching it on streaming or on Blu-ray or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's good. I mean, I, I enjoyed yeah. it. There were definitely uh, con- considering, I guess. And this this is this is faint praise, but considering what they could have messed up with it, I thought it came out quite well. Like, like with Kenobi. Well, yeah. No, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was bracing myself watching it, but then I was like, oh, it's respectful and it doesn't make Han look absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. What is this? Yeah. Like, you know. No, and they <laughs> and, a whole other era of media. And I think that they tripped up with with kenobi on that oh yeah um where you know what i wanted with kenobi i wanted like <laughs> book of eli just brooding old man kind of like in in the desert with his you know mysterious kind of journey and like you know maybe things happen along the way but like i just i really wanted that kind of aesthetic and experience with the parallel story of well maybe it's Black there Peter. you gotta go watch it no no it's not Wait, wait, I know you're, what you're criticizing Kenobi, but you haven't seen it? Oh, no, here's the thing. I've watched so many <laughs> breakdowns, again. The same thing with, <laughs> Not the same with, thing. Uh, Thor, where it's like, here's plot it, plot point for plot point, what, exactly what happens, and it's stupid. Well, then you might as well watch it. No. If you're going to dig into that principle. much. It's the subscriber count, because the reason they're generating all this content is because there's they're, they're, the, the views are still there, and they're like, Oh, hey, people are still watching this garbage. Let's make some more. Oh, On principle, man. I can't do it. Well, I, won't. I so I didn't think Kenobi was as good as The Mandalorian. No. Um, 
And I thought that one thing that was kind of weird about it to me is you introduce all these major characters that you get in the later Star Wars movies, right? New Hope and on. And so there's a little bit of a lack of tension because you know they're all going to survive and not get yep. seriously hurt, right? Right. And so when they introduce a character that you don't know, you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> might be, might not be around for the end, you know? Um, and 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 then, and I don't know, there's this like fifth brother, third sister, second cousin. Like, yeah. do you remember all the all the kind of like Darth Vader lackeys that have these, right. they call each other by these names? And I, maybe I'm just, I don't understand the whole Star Wars genealogy or the canon. Well, yeah, because I think these characters are used elsewhere in some okay. of the animated series and they must uh, which be. i uh, okay fine and okay. again i mean i think that's problematic because it, just like with marvel you create the situation where if you haven't seen all this stuff which is increasingly obscure mm-hmm. i mean i i really and don't really think time consuming it's a lot well i honestly at you least know, they were I, reasonably uh episodes that were 45 50 minutes or whatever i mean but not if you're having to do hours of like things. clone wars and rebels well, and, well that's yeah. that's what i mean is that yeah. i have a tough time justifying the idea that the i mean yeah i get that oh well this is going to be kind of a, a bonus for the fans of this show or this comic and stuff but it's like i i i, I have always just seen the movies as that's it. Like anything beyond that, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm not investing, you know, and, and now granted, I mean, I, I have really enjoyed Mandalorian. And so, yeah. and that, but that seems like it's a little bit more official, you know, but like all of these, these peripheral references to characters that are going to come up in, like in video games, I'm sorry. I'm just not, you know, you're, you're, you're losing me on this. And, and I think just to kind of bring it back around, I think that the Vader's lackeys, were characters from some of these other peripheral, mm. you know, projects. And, and I don't know, maybe they're more interesting characters than those other projects. Cause they weren't in Kenobi. I'll tell you yeah. one thing. And this actually might be my other big reason why I, 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 I don't care for this at all because like it's getting to the point where again, it's kind of actually disrespectful. So those who really do know the shows and like the comics or books or whatever, are actually like getting really upset with these new things because they're ripping off things or they're like disrespecting it where it's like, mm. you know, and, and now we're seeing it with movies where it's like, wow, they really butchered Obi-Wan who's like one of the coolest characters. Right. Yeah. So, well, so the thing for me is like Reva's like a big problem. And like, I hate how they've been like deflecting things where it's like, Oh, it's racism. No, <laughs> that's not what it is. It's oh, so the main, the main, I mean, the main, non Darth Vader bad guy yes. Kenobi is yeah. her so her name is Reva but she's referred to as third something sister, sister third, third sister. sister yeah and yeah. she yeah. wants to be the grand inquisitor she's trying right. to get promoted no yeah. her her character has seemed to be the focal point of a lot of the the blowback on the series well because it, her character weird. ended up being the focal point of this series called hmm. Kenobi and, uh, and and the problem is is that this actually this her whole story is a straight ripoff off of the fallen order which my husband and i played great video game really great storyline um but you're following this jedi who's like slowly gaining powers again which makes sense in a video game because as a player you're supposed to like 
be learning skills. So they have to reflect <laughs> that narratively. But to do that with Kenobi doesn't make sense. And then um, the main antagonist in it is woman of color who was a young lean, super jaded against the Jedi because she was abandoned by them. And like, it makes sense. And she actually like comes face to face with her master again. And like, it's really emotional and it's really gripping, but like, it made sense. Whereas with Reva, like, I've just heard all these things. It's like, where are the motivations? Like, is she conflicted? It's just so confusing. Whereas like in a video game, I think she it was is so tightly packaged. Yeah. I mean, she was conflicted. If you watch the series and the very opening scene is, I think it was Order 66 or something. It was some order that was given to yeah. destroy all the yeah, upcoming right. Jedi, the younglings. Yeah. And she was there. And and so, uh, you know, there's a scene where Kenobi kind of figures it out and uses that to, well, not manipulate, but to help um, help her come around if possible. Uh, but, this, but this Darth is after... Vader. This is after she's so upset about these children being killed that she's going after and killing people and killing right. Ch- no, and that's children. and that's kind of the thing that doesn't, doesn't make sense about her characters yeah. is well, if if she's if her real motivation is to you know be this clandestine you know revenge agent thing. It doesn't make sense that she's going along with the program and doing all these evil things while she's biding her time and waiting for her moment. I think that's the complaint that I've heard is that if 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 she really is kind of a you know good guy mm-hmm. in disguise or has pure motivations, then how does it make Maybe. sense that she's also out doing the work of the the evil okay. the dark side of the empire? And, and so pushing Maybe the I'll... envelope. She's the one who wants it to be further. It's not like she's just obeying orders. She is super antagonistic. So maybe I'll be the Star Wars apologist here, since it sounds like we need one. Um, Fair enough. Let's do so it. So maybe she didn't actually have those motivations. Maybe Kenobi helped unlock those in her. They were deep, latent, like okay. within her. Not necessarily ulterior motives, but she didn't really fully understand. She just has bred to be what she's going to be with with Darth Vader. But when Kenobi talks to her, she starts realizing uh maybe that's you know maybe this is something that i should be doing and now so, i don't know maybe so her, just... so her but, character but does... arc is supposed to be an echo of anakin's but, but she does reveal <laughs> that like everything she has known so much all along and this is all just a part of her big plan to get close to vader like wasn't yeah, that that could be i don't i don't remember exactly but it wasn't set um... up it wasn't set up but yeah. but they want you to think that because then they want you to cheer for her I one of the complaints I had is so I had read online a lot of complaints that she was um her her acting was just not good. I don't know so much about the character motivation, but her acting that. was not good. Yeah. And so I was prepared for that. And when I watched it, I thought, oh, it wasn't really that bad. She wasn't given a lot of great lines. She was yeah. given some lines that sounded like they were written by a seventh grader trying to do Star Wars, maybe. But like um I thought the child actor the one that played Leia was not very good I know that's really mean because it's like a probably a little 10 year old girl but I've seen plenty of great child actors in movies and tv shows that were extremely convincing and I just didn't feel that from no and this is this is where this is where I see you know (sighs) Disney has a way of kind of showing its hand with its properties you know, because with a lot of the Star Wars content, it just, I mean, that's, that's one of the things I always have to give them credit for with uh, uh, Force Awakens is that that felt like a Star Wars movie again. 
it felt like the movies mm. that I saw when I was a kid. Um, now, on the on the flip side, there are moments like when little 10-year-old Leia is getting chased through the woods by a bunch of kidnapper bounty hunter types that you realize, yep, Disney made this. Because it's it's betraying its little kid bias, you know, and and there's there's no reason to have a 10-year-old actress with that much screen time and that much dialogue and and it's it just that kind of struck me as is kind of a Disney giveaway. It's like, oh yeah, this is made by by Disney and they're gonna think, oh, isn't it cute? We're gonna have this little this little girl and she's wisecracking just like Princess Leia when she grows up and and yeah, because I, I wasn't a fan of that either. I mean, you can't you can't blame the kid because she's a kid, you know, but but I do blame whoever was in charge and saying, we're going to put this much weight and dialogue and performance on this little 10 year old actress. And, and that's why I say I think it's because it's a Disney production, not because it's actually good for the story. That's so interesting. You say it that way, because like the criticism that I've heard was that it was just like oh, it was for like feminism purposes and we need to give more attention to Leia than to Luke, you know, or something like that. No, and, that, like, and I think that's that, a legitimate point too. Yeah, but but yeah. I think it's interesting because I, I hadn't considered that like, it could just be like, this is to cater to children mm-hmm. and like to show that it is Disney. I hadn't thought about that at all. Like, No, I, I think that this, and, and honestly, this yeah. for me, this stretches back way before Disney took over. But I think that there has been a, you know, maybe even since you could argue since Return of the Jedi, there's been kind of this misunderstanding of what makes Star Wars appeal to kids. And, you know, I can I can say this with authority because I was a little kid watching these movies (laughs) and I did not relate to Star Wars because I saw little kids my age playing characters. I related to Star Wars because I aspired to be like Han Solo and I aspired to be like Luke Skywalker. I didn't okay. need to have somebody my age making witty, sarcastic remarks or having fart jokes and the kind of stuff that I would, you know, exchange, you know, the kind of jokes that I would tell my other friends in third grade. Right. And that's, that's why I say like from basically from return of the Jedi on, there's kind of this mistaken understanding that, you know, if, if you want, if you want to do this for kids, then you actually have to put kids in it and make it kid content you know, mm. and, and so, but, and well, I, so I, I think, that, I think that that's that exacerbated the... by Disney, but not necessarily yeah. originating with Disney. But I do well, think I, that I, yeah, people yeah. would want to hear what happens to Leia. Like, I mean, you have a series that takes place at the time period it does with Kenobi and you get Ewan McGregor, which is great. I think a huge get, you know, for, to, to, to the guy that was kind of in all the prequels. And so, I think you at least have to include something with 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 Leia and or Luke. Um, Maybe they're two of the most interesting characters in the whole Star Wars canon. Yeah, right? no, you could totally could have just have gotten better them. actors, and maybe they couldn't have been quite as for. I don't know. There's not as much. No, but Luke I think I think they could have been really, more peripheral. And honestly, as maybe, much as I yeah. love Darth Vader, as and as yeah. much as I as much as I really did enjoy a lot of aspects of that final episode, yeah. I don't understand why they had to force the issue with we're going to make this all about Vader versus Obi-Wan because anybody who's even kind of a casual, you know, well-versed fan of that, of these movies has always had the understanding from the first movie that 
when when obi-wan and vader meet up in the death star in the first movie that's the first time they've seen each other since vader became vader and Mm. And this whole thing just kind of seemed now yeah Yeah. it's at least like the third time (laughs) you know so all the dialogue and this i think that danny this is kind of the stuff that you're referring to where it's like they just kind of take what's already been done and just and nuts to it i think retcon we're just gonna yeah and nobody will notice right isn't that the whole complaint of of the last jedi and rise of sky of rise of skywalker the retconning and changing the the backstory and yeah you know like you think that uh ray really does have some important or, or royal you know lineage and then you find out apparently she's nothing and then you find out oh it's Palpatine's granddaughter well, and Palpatine's alive. And you know, I think, like I think what really makes these things, because a lot of like those decisions on the surface didn't bother me that much. Mm-hmm. What does bother me and what seems much more apparent with, you know, certainly kind of like the Disney era product is that the, the behind the scenes intent and or agenda and, or, you know, just especially with with the the sequel trilogy the intent of the directors going back and forth from movie to movie is just so much more transparent where you know you you watch a new hope and you watch empire strikes back and return of the jedi and you don't watch that and think oh well this is because so and so was the director of this one and he decided he wanted to do this this other way whereas with his with these new movies it's very clearly okay well you know uh oh my gosh forgot his name force awakens uh jj abrams right so he's he's just kind of like bringing back the old star wars we know and love he's got that vibe and then ryan johnson comes in and he's just gonna change everything around and oh we better get jj back and he's gonna he's gonna put all the stuff back in place that we that you know we've been griping about and and so that like that that interplay just feels very transparent and to me it takes away from what I'm, you know, because I'm not just enjoying what's on the screen. I'm also seeing very clearly what's playing out behind the camera and it's a distraction and it takes me out of that world. Yeah. Totally. But anybody who disagreed with me on love and thunder is wrong. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just trolling my buddy. <laughs> but by the way, another thing that I thought was weird, sorry, I, I know we're almost yeah. done, but on Kenobi was like the there there's there's Liam Neeson appearance. Actually, I think this there's a couple, and they didn't feel really necessary. Like they didn't feel like they added anything. It was just like, hey, let's see if we can get Liam Neeson to to make an appearance. I wonder how much we can, you know, because that's much exactly what cost. happened. Yeah. That right? was it. Like, you know, and, and there's even kind of one at the end. And it doesn't lead to anything. I don't know. And I guess, is there going to be a second season? Do you uh, know? Kenobi? There... Probably. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, don't I mean. Because I... there's still so much they can do with Luke. Because what I was kind of wondering is like, you know, who is Ben Kenobi? Like, how does he kind of identify mm-hmm. himself on Tatooine? Like, what is this Tatooine life like? And why does... Luke have this relationship with him. Slaya has no relationship with and him. And what, what happens to Obi-Wan in the next 10 years that ages him about mm-hmm. 40 years? Yeah, that was the other thing. I you look at Alec Letty. Guinness and you look at you and McGregor, it's like there's yeah, there's gonna be <laughs> oh, something. Yeah, that's yeah. that's always that's always been a little bit of an issue, but oh, maybe so maybe I, not I 40, wanna... maybe not 40, maybe maybe 25. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to circle back to the the comment you said 
with um, catering to the kids. Yeah. Um, because something that I had seen, and then this is why I didn't even consider that at those all. Those ungrateful because, kids. <laughs> so no, demanding. It just looks like it's kind of a little violent. Like there are some moments of like a hand getting cut off or like some torture Mm -hmm. being stabbed, you know, like, I mean, common lightsaber shenanigans. Right. But, you know, that wouldn't necessarily be for kids. I don't know. And that's that's, no that and that that is the flip side. So you talk about Kenobi or Love and Thunder. Kenobi. But but Kenobi. We could could go back to Um, what? Well, no, no, no. I just, I'm just trying to clarify because the flip side of my, my observation with Disney, which is that, you know, they kind of have a tendency to plug in, you know, you use content that kind of betrays their uh, emphasis on, on kid friendly and, you know, kid target audience type stuff mm-hmm. is that they also are very adult in some ways. Mm-hmm. And just kind of like you're pointing out, like some of the, some of the violences, Ooh, well, that might be a little bit, uh, you know, yeah. a little spicy for the young ones. Um, but, uh, and, and I guess, I guess that's one of the kind of the weird things about Disney is that they kind of seem to have both, both agendas at the same time. And, okay. and I don't know, and this, and this is something where, I mean, my, my, my entire time as a film critic, I've wrestled with this because and I don't know if it's just because I'm not a parent, but I try to look at this stuff from the perspective of a parent and think, okay, well, is this, are kids going to be afraid of this? You know, is this going to be too scary? Uh, And, and it seems like anytime I come to a conclusion, I'm, I come to the wrong conclusion, right? Because if all kids, kids are going to hate this. Oh, but then for some reason, like, I remember like kids loved uh, the greatest showman. Like I thought, why on earth would kids get into that? And okay, whatever. You know, or or this is this is probably going to be kind of scary for little kids. And then somebody posts on Facebook, "No, my kids loved it." Like, all right, I give up. You know, maybe, it's, you know, and it, it's such a it seems like such a subjective thing. Yeah. That, you know, because I guess it maybe it depends on what your kids are watching, right? Because if you're okay. if your kids are five years old and they're watching Jurassic Park, then Kenobi's going to be just fine. But <laughs> but if they're if they're twelve years old and they're still watching Pixar movies, then yeah, maybe it's gonna be kind of scary. I don't know. I mean, they, these are kind of extreme examples, but but it yeah. does it does seem like every time I try to predict what how how a, a general youthful audience is going to react, I can't pin it down. I just feel like I can't pin it down. And then yeah. just like you're pointing out, Disney has a way of of kind of presenting content that that's that's very mature, and also you know has a way of kind of dumbing it down for the kids too in, in, in other ways so mm-hmm. you know it's funny I don't, know I, that, I don't know if that answers the question I no, yeah I agree I I thought that about that a lot one of my complaints that I've complained about before on, on our podcast is that like these superhero movies are about superheroes and they're all pg-13 and they all push the limits on violence and many of them are actually containing like sexual and other inappropriate jokes like language guardians <laughs> of the galaxy too yeah. and there's yeah. plenty of language in Thor, Love and Thunder and other jokes that I just, you know, that just kind of go a little bit too much for a little kid. And right. um, I don't see that in a lot of the Star Wars properties. I really don't have any complaints about them. In fact, I, my kids, they they sat with me and watched a few like parts of some of the Kenobi episodes and they they weren't things that 
like I kept from him. Like there was nothing yeah, in them that yeah. I felt was too much. And even there's even what looks like a, there's about to be a torture scene between Reva and Leia, and it doesn't really turn into that. Oh, yeah. right, just right. like empty threats. Mm-hmm. Or actually, I guess they're not empty threats, but she gets interrupted and then it doesn't happen. And so um, like I didn't see, there really wasn't anything in there that I had a problem with. To me, it was almost like PG. And and I don't I don't know what it would That's be fair. equivalent to for a TV rating. Yeah. But the yeah. Marvel stuff is... Definitely. too much i mean we we've started a couple of them even like shang chi there's just a ton of of superhero violence and i really wish we could get some pg superhero movies because they are right. they really should be for little kids like mm-hmm. you know like a pg uh you know spider-man or thor or hulk that was just like sure it has some violence but it's just a little bit yeah. muted and and maybe jokes that are a little well, bit well and, more on and their by, level. interestingly enough by comparison the Spider-Man movies are a lot more tame. Like I've, I've, I've oh, watched yeah. my, I've watched like homecoming um, mm-hmm. with my nieces where my, <laughs> my yeah. sister would have words with me if I were to show my nieces guardians of the galaxy, you know, <laughs> yep. the, especially, yeah. especially like you say the second one. And, yeah. and maybe, maybe that's just kind of where star Wars is as is at an advantage for at least for parents. And that, whereas Marvel movies are kind of set in our universe, Therefore, they're going to have sexual innuendo and they're going to have mm-hmm. profanity and, and things. Um, violence is really the only thing that's a concern in Star Wars because it's a, you know, a galaxy yeah. far, far away. And, and, and so. But, but even then, normally the lightsaber and, and blaster violence is not the same as yeah. uh, blood, you know, blood yeah. violence. No, it's, right. it's everywhere. really pretty. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. In fact, I took my six-year-old to the last Spider-Man movie that, that came out in December and mm-hmm. um and it was fine. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't actually feeling very good and ended up like sleeping. And so it wasn't a great experience for him. But like when Aww. I watching the whole thing, I wish he could have seen it. Like I wish he would have yeah. been awake fully because it was yeah. it was great for him. Did but you also kind of made wonder? Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, did you show your kids into the Spider-Verse? Yes. Oh yeah, they loved it. Is that in fact, yeah? My my uh, my eight year old saw it at a birthday party, came home, talked it up, and we watched it. And we we downloaded it on Google Play or something and watched it as a family. And we we loved it. I I didn't yeah. think there was anything yeah. in there that was too much for them. No, not at all. Um, yeah. Um, it, which makes me wonder. Like you mentioned about how like the the Marvel movies take place in our in our day, mm-hmm. and. Taika Waititi is so big into pop culture. I mean, there's tons of little pop culture jokes, even the way yeah. they mess up Jane Foster's name. You know, oh, oh Jane, Fonda, Jane Fonda, <laughs> Jane Fonda, Jodie Foster, Jody and, Foster. It's, and it's Taika himself <laughs> doing it as Quirk. And and like, I'm like, are they going to? Is he going to be able to do that kind of stuff in a Star Wars movie? And I wonder if he could create his own little sort of pseudo pop culture in the Star Wars movie because you know how like there's music, there's like the Cantina band, you know, in the yeah. original and. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if he's really going to create some sort of um, his own set of like pop mm-hmm. culture jokes that we would understand that they're jokes, but maybe not fully because we aren't in that. You know, my in that universe. my guess, my guess is that that he is going to use a lot of humor that's going to send up the Star Wars universe in a way that we will. Laugh we'll at. understand it we'll like at it. like yeah. in the same in the in the way that every every movie has to have a character say i've got a bad feeling about this he's probably going to mm-hmm. find a way to turn that into a joke and yeah. like he, i think turn he's it it's, i don't think he's bit. necessarily going to invent a bunch of 
you know, Star Wars universe celebrities to make reference to in terms of pop culture. But I think that his humor is very much going to do to Star Wars movies what Ragnarok did to MCU movies. And for that reason, I I'm excited to see it. I would yeah. I would I would love to see that. I, you know, just ne- ne- just for ne- kind of a refreshing change of pace, let him do his thing. Um, you know, maybe maybe That's so and- cute, but they're not gonna let him do his thing. It's still <laughs> going to be so corporate. But that was cute. Never yeah. tell me the odds unless the odds are in my favor. <laughs> he he's gonna take little like common Star Wars refrains, like common lines, and he he will yeah. he'll twist them a little bit, probably, yeah. huh? He'll yeah. change them up. Yeah. Um Taika, Taika them. And so, yeah, I think we'll see something, something, hopefully something somewhat fresh and original. So, so, so uh, exit question then is, is Taika Waititi going to save Star Wars? I don't think he needs to save Star Wars. I mean, we're still fresh on Mandalorian and we're not, I mean, what was the last movie, the last Star Wars movie that came out technically? The last movie was Rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe he does need to save Star Wars. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, well said. Well, he did direct the finale of Mandalorian, and, and Mandalorian was, I think, universally well-received and well-liked. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, he, he does make, it does make sense for him to be the, the guy, but he's supposedly coming up with an original story that's going to expand mm-hmm. the universe. I mean, the Star Wars universe. Not our universe as we know it. Hey, Although that would be quite who's, a feat. Who's, who knows? You know? <laughs> what do you think, Danny? I think everyone's going to have to watch the YouTube version of this episode to see the range of emotions that came on my face <laughs> when you asked that question. Is this, and I is think this, that answered. <laughs> is that your, your audition? Are you auditioning for with, with your range of emotions? Yeah, maybe I'll be... Um, I'll be cast for um, the the Taika Waititi uh, Star Wars project. I'm really hoping because I would love to say those kind of lines to just trash on the things that I love. Well, we we of the Utah Film Pod would be honored if you would represent us in a Star Wars production. (laughs) What if there's what if there's people out there that will only watch the YouTube reviews of this episode, the five to 10 minute versions panning or criticizing this episode. Isn't that more your flavor, Danny, instead of watching the whole thing? I would love that. Please someone start doing that. Do okay, so, the- so another, another exit question then. So Danny, what's it going to take to persuade you to either watch an MCU movie or a new Star Wars series? Mm. Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like I don't want to go back. I think MCU, if it was like kind of how Into the Spider-Verse is, where it's like it's its own thing. Yeah. So like anything where it's like kind of a, a reset button, independent I don't want them connected anymore. I, I, I have a hard time watching that. Um, Star Wars. I feel like Star Wars is just done. Like that, that was something that I actually kind of liked with Rise of Skywalker. There wasn't much. But one thing that I did enjoy was just like how, you know, you start with Anakin Skywalker kind of coming out of nowhere and then all Skywalkers are gone by the end. And so it's like, it's the full 
story of an entire family, you know? So conclusive. And, yeah. So it's just like, it, it feels, it feels very done. And, and the same thing with Marvel, like Endgame, it feels very done. So I, I don't know, maybe I need to get into Star Trek or something. There's a lot to choose from. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you would uh, you would be tied up for quite a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. In fact, I was. Well, we're already so far into this episode, we probably shouldn't go down this tangent. But I was going to say, like, I, I consider myself a Star Trek fan, and yet I've really only watched like one and a half of the shows. Like most most of the series out there, I've never touched, and who knows if I'll ever get around to it. Wait, did you mean like Mandalorian and Obi-Wan well no like Obi-Wan? so so I grew up with like the original Star Trek was on like Saturday afternoons on reruns right because they three three seasons in the 60s that were brand new and they spent like the next 20 years in syndication and that's how I saw oh, and then Star Trek. okay yeah and then later on when the, when the next generation came out I honestly just didn't like it that much. I, I like some of the characters. I like the movies that they made out of the Next Generation cast, um, but I only watched a few episodes of the actual Next Generation. Then I have not watched any of Deep Space Nine or Voyager or Picard or any of the stuff that's come out. I've, I've watched the movies. Um, I did enjoy the J.J. Abrams movies, but uh, yeah. So oh, so maybe, uh, well, now I would say we could talk about Star Trek more next time, but it sounds like we already have something to tease, right, Danny? Oh, what's, uh, yes. what's coming up in our next episode? So here's the thing. You know, Mark's giving me a lot of flack for not watching things, and I just <laughs> prefer to spend my time elsewhere with things that are worth my time. And so when we come back next time, we will be discussing the Jane Austen ad- adjacent kind of releases that are coming out this week. And I am super excited for them. I'm a huge fan of novels, adaptations. So y'all are going to have to, you know, dust off some old books and we'll have to discuss when we get back. So, so what are they called? What are the two main ones that you're. So um, the theatrical release is Mr. Malcolm's list, which is technically a contemporary novel. Which, you know, I'm, I'm interested by those kind of things. You know, I liked Bridgerton, love Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. So, you know, I, oh, I like to that's see. That's another one I've seen. Oh, hey, look at you. Yeah. You'll be, some... you'll be in great shape, right? Okay, okay. Yeah, so that's one. And then the other one uh, that's coming out on Netflix is Persuasion, which mm-hmm. I remember loving Persuasion as a kid. So I'm excited to see how this one holds up. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. And uh, we'll look forward to that discussion coming up in, you know, maybe another week or so. And uh, in the meantime, be sure to uh, get on to you know, whatever platform you're watching this on, whether you're watching it on YouTube, whether you're listening to it on uh, Spotify or any other platform out there. Give us a positive review, five stars, or uh, maybe just forget to. If, if, if it didn't like it, just maybe kind of forget that you listened to the podcast. And- Instead, just roast uh, Josh, Josh's uh, Facebook Yeah, post. you know, it's... <laughs> because you'll be in good company um (laughs) but yeah until next time have a have a have a great great middle of your july and be excellent to each other see ya see ya